Good morning. Excited about Operation Christmas Child. If you haven't got your box, I think we gave out three, four hundred boxes um, last week or so, and so there may be a few left. I'd encourage you to grab some. What a great way to this Christmas remember those that are in need. Amen. Uh, maybe we can get more boxes than we've ever gotten before. And every year, you guys surprise us and take your families, take your kids out there, do this with your kids. A great project for us to be a part of with the greater body of Christ. Well, I- I'm glad that you guys are here today. This is week two of our series, The Big Give. And one of the things I'm taking the opportunity during this series is to communicate some important items, some important things with the congregation about where we're at with our children's building, Kid Cities, our new children's building. I want to take several weeks because I know, believe it or not, some of you guys go out of town. Isn't that true? And uh, so there's some inflow and outflow on Sunday mornings. We want to make sure we communicate with everybody what's going on and give everybody a, a, an opportunity who calls Mid-Cities home to be a part of the big give. And some of you have been with us over this whole journey. During the last several years, as we constructed this new children's building, um, you have been with us and are kind of aware of where we're at, what, we, what our goals were and what they are. And, but some of you, maybe you're new. You've come here the last year, last two years, and uh, you walked in and felt like, man, you, we always had this beautiful 52,000 square foot children's space for children and youth. But the truth of the matter is, uh, man, we, we didn't. We had to, there was, there's a Season of, life, season of our ministry where um, literally kids were everywhere. We had them duct taped to walls. We had them in the bathrooms. We had them in closets. And uh, so we're really grateful for this space. Aren't you grateful for our space? So I, I want to kind of tell you what's going on with that. Uh, four years ago, we began this trust journey. We built a 52,000 square foot space for youth and children, with some, with le- which left a bunch of room right next to us in our original building to create for mid-cities in Espanol, for our adult classrooms, for free indeed, and marriage prep classes, and financial peace university, uh, and those kind of items, as well, as well as new parking and uh, other needs that we had. And the total cost we estimated would be right around $14 million, and uh, that was years before as we were planning. And then when once we constructed it, the final cost ended up being right over $14 million at $14.34 million. Uh, and uh, so far, you've given, the church family in Mid-Cities has given $5.72 million, or 40% of the project towards us. Isn't that awesome? Let's give the Lord a hand for that faithfulness and what he's done there. That's really remarkable over the last several years. Eight, that rem- leaves uh, 8.62 million remaining on the balance of that building. We have no debt on any other part of the church. And because of our desperate need during this time for kids' space, we also had a need for permanent offices. But we felt like it wasn't wise to dive into that. We wanted all the new space to go to children's ministry and youth ministry and for Sunday morning experiences. So we did not uh, include that in the project. But I'm excited to announce since then we've received a gift that will allow us to construct offices for our, for our staff permanently with cash with no long-term financing. Isn't that awesome? Can we thank God for that and how he's provided? That's pretty amazing. So uh, you'll get, begin to see over the next 12, mo- 12 months or so, you'll begin to see uh, some movement on construction of permanent offices for the church. And we're really, really grateful for that. In your bulletin, uh, I'd like for you to pull out this commitment card. It says the big give. And I want you to grab that because over the next four weeks during this big give, you're going to have an opportunity to commit over the next 12 months to begin to reduce and eventually eliminate this $8.62 million for this facility. And I, um, I, I, 
communicated this, we communicated in various ways three, four years ago when we began this project, is once we, the building was built, we went through our first three-year commitment, we'd go through one, annual one-year commitments for everyone to evaluate where they're at financially, what God would have them do. And this is for those that call Mid-Cities home. If you're a guest with us, we're not, we're not asking you to participate or expect you in any way to participate. But if Mid-Cities is your home and this is your place and you take ownership of it, we'd ask for you to begin to pray about uh, what you would be able to commit to, and there's various options there on the commitment card uh, that will uh, make those commitments on November 16th here in just a couple weeks. And we're going to be able to, if you're not going to be there on that day, you can make your commitments online. And uh, I'm so excited about what God's doing in that way and want you to pray about how you could participate in that. And along that, we're talking about the big give. Last week, we talked about giving, and this week, we're going to talk about tithing. Everyone say tithing. Now, last week we began this series talking about giving and that God's nature and his character were giving and generous. We looked throughout scripture, we discovered God is a generous God. He gives. When we, as human beings, were originally created in his likeness, Genesis 1 and 2 says, in his likeness and his image, you and I were created to be like him. Not just in one way, but, but when people look at us or, or others look at us, they're going to see a reflection or a likeness or an image of our creator. How many of you know that's true? This is the intrinsic value of life. This is why we are to value life. And so we are made in his likeness, in his image, which means we were created to be generous as well. We're created to be like him in every aspect, which includes his generosity and the fact that he gives and he gives. And yet in the scriptures we see in Genesis chapter 3, as we talked about last week, sin comes and it begins to hijack and mar everything that God created. Everything that God intended and wants and creates, the enemy comes behind because of sin and begins to hijack and twist and change and begin to work on these things. And when sin comes in, the likeness and image of God that was generous and giving became selfish and stingy. That's where the enemy takes it. But the good news, as followers of Jesus, as Christ has redeemed us, as in, how many know that's true? As he's redeemed us and he's continuing to redeem us, we're growing and being transformed into his likeness as we follow him. And the things that sin has marred in our lives, he begins to take back and we begin to look more and more like him because God is always moving us to a new place, as we talked about last week. And the place he's moving us is where he is. Where is he in this area? He is giving and he is generous. And matter of fact, we talked about, there's even those that aren't Christians that begin to tap into this truth. We see people, we see people um, giving away millions, Warren Buffett and Bill and Melinda Gates, giving millions of dollars away. They've tapped into something that, that maybe they were created for more than just taking and receiving. But God, is, God had created them in, in his, in the, originally to, to give, to be generous. And we see, we see this as something that if we are to be followers of Jesus, then our heart's desire should be generous. We asked this last week, is that our heart's desire? Is our heart's desire is to be like Christ in this way, 
to be like God, to be giving, to be generous. And I believe that tithing, if you're taking notes, I believe that tithing is a principle God uses in Christ's followers today to redeem this part of his nature and his character in us. Let me say that again. I believe that tithing is a principle God uses in Christ's followers today to redeem this part of his nature and his character in us. Here's the truth of the matter is some of you have some skepticism even now. We're talking about giving and tithing, and I get it. Some of you have had bad experiences. You've been maybe manipulated or you've seen manipulations, and there are, they abide because wherever there's something legitimate, how many of you know there's 10 things that are illegitimate? Isn't that true? I mean, I've had good food and I've had a whole bunch of bad food. You know what I'm talking about? I don't give up on food just because I've had some bad food. You know what I mean? So some of you are like, well, there's been illegitimate things about this issue in churches. And I get it. It's true. But I would also say that doesn't make God's principle less true. And, and there's a lot of factors. Man, there's, there's even cultural factors when it comes to my having, you know, there's some culture. No matter whether you're in America or another country or even racial, ethnic, cultural, there's different things. I remember I was in college and uh, me and the former worship leader here, Pat Brown, I, I interned under him in college. And he was supposed to sing at this revival at an African-American church in Lubbock. And he, he somehow convinced me to go. And I said, all right, that'd be great. We were a part of a non-denominational church that was, it was fairly, I mean, there was a little diversity, but we were kind of pretty white as a powdered donut. You know what I'm saying? Like pretty white. And so we walk into this African-American, is a small African-American church in, in uh, Lubbock. We're excited. I was excited to be there. Man, worship was off the charts. I mean, it was, man, we, I loved it. I was like, I'm coming to this church. And I, I mean, I'm 18 years old. And then they start the offering. I'd never seen it done this way. They had the offering and that, that, man, there was like a 20 minute offering moment. And during the 20 minute offering moment, man, they were like, pull out your checkbook, get out your stuff, get it out, put it up, hold it up in the air. And I'm like, man, in my little powdered donut church, we keep our money down here. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we don't wave it up here. We keep it down here. They're like, wave that up here. And then they're like, come on forward. And so the music starts going and everyone, row by row, the ushers would release and you'd come up and drop your money. And so I'm like 18 years, I'm like feeling for money. What do I got? Like, I mean, I always kept $5 on me whether I needed it or not. And, you know, that day I probably had seven. So I was like, okay, all right, I go in there. You know, I got the five in this pocket and two in this pocket. And I'm like, well, praise God, I've already given my tithe. This is just a little extra. So I pull out the two, you know, I got to eat later. I pull out the two and I'm up there and I'm like, woo, you know, and everybody else gives their money and I go back and we're like, good. And then we go into a worship song. I think it's over, but no, no, no. The ushers had went back and counted it, came back and said, it's not enough. We're doing it again. And I was like, oh Lord. So we stood up, everybody stood up and started coming down. And I'm like, all I got left is this $5 and it's dinner. And I, what do I do? So I pull out the, I was like, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. This is seed money, you know, and I, Coming forward, I drop it in there. And man, it was so fun. I, I, that $7 I gave was probably the best $7 I spent. I'm just telling you, there was a part of it that was joy and worship. But how many of you know it might be different than what you experienced? Now, I had an intern who had a real different experience. She interned for me for a few years in youth ministry. Then she went to an Episcopal church in Dallas. They did their money real different. They, the, what they would do, she, I, I called her one day. I said, hey, how's things going? She's like, man, it's really weird. Like we just had this big barbecue to get everybody's tithes for the year. 
and we had this barbecue and there was like beer and wine, kegs in the parking lot. And they were, and they were filling out stuff. I just felt so uncomfortable. And internally I'm thinking, that's not a bad idea. You know, like, <laughs> did they take the commitments before they drank or after? What's, what happened? How did that, how did that happen? How many of you know there's different cultures? There's different experiences. I get all of that. And no matter where you come from, I believe at Mid-Cities, God wants us and we want to be biblical and believe that if God instructs us to do anything, no matter what it is, if he instructs us to do something in scripture, more than likely it has to do with reaching people with the gospel, helping them grow in their relationship with God and sending them to reach others with the gospel. How many know that's true? And the principle of tithing, I believe, does this. I believe it does do this. It helps us grow and reach people with the gospel. It helps us grow and help other people grow in their faith and send them out to do the same. And I believe the tithing isn't law, it's life. It's not law in that, that, uh, that God's going to strike you dead if you don't do it, but I believe it brings life. And let me just say, when I talk about tithing, I wanna define it for you because you may have a different view or whatever. So let me just define this. If you're taking notes, write this down. What is tithing? Tithing is giving 10%. That's what a tithe means. Tithe is actually a number. You can't tithe 1%. It doesn't even make sense. It'd be like, I'm gonna give 10 one. That, that doesn't, it doesn't compute. Tithe means 10. Everyone say 10. Uh, giving 10% of your gross income to God through the local church. Let me say it again. Giving 10% of your gross income to God through the local church. In scripture, what does the Bible have to say about this? Look at Leviticus chapter 27. And then here in a minute, we're going to be in Malachi 3. You can turn your Bible over to the left, Malachi 3, and put your finger there. What, what does scripture have to say? Let's look at a few of these things. The Hebrews, um, in this culture, in the Hebrew culture, were required to bring a tithe, or 10% of their crops, of their livestock, etc., to the Levites. Everyone say Levites. And just historically, you know that when the, they came into the land, everyone got a portion of the land except for the Levites. And the reason the Levites didn't is the Levites' responsibility was the tabernacle, eventually the temple, the, the place of worship. They took care of that and, and facilitated worship for the other tribes. So the other tribes would come and bring the 10% to the Levites. We see in Leviticus chapter 27, 30 through 34, the context in here is devoted things to God, things that are set aside or things that are holy to God. Look at verse 30. Every tithe, that means 10% of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees is who? The Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Holy simply means, when you see holy in your Bible, holy means set apart. It's set apart for the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that passes under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. One shall not differentiate between good or bad, neither shall he make a substitute for it. And if he does substitute, 
then both it and the substitute shall be holy. It shall be redeemed. It shall not be redeemed. Verse 34. These are the commandments that the Lord God commanded Moses for the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. Now, we know that these, this is here, we have a tithe here that's commanded. And it says one-tenth, a tithe of all that the land produces. And then it goes on to cattle. We have in this time an agrarian society where... They're, most people farmed, they raised cattle, they raised land. Lots of times they didn't do it commercially even to go sell, but they would raise it enough for their own food, for their own family. And so literally he's saying out of 10 things that you grow, one of them is holy or set apart. So if you had 10 pumpkins, let's say, hypothetically, then one of those pumpkins is God's. The, 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 the principle of the first fruits, which we'll look at in a minute, said the, the first one is God's. As a matter of fact, uh, of all of these, it says don't choose which are good and which are bad to give to God. Don't be like, all right, God, all right, you. It's yours, you know? No, no, no. It says, matter of fact, when it's talking about cattle, as they come through the gate over your staff, every tenth one. Because the tendency, can you believe this in sinful humanity? Is I'm going to pick the lame calf to give God. I'm going I'm to probably lose that little weak one anyway. So I'm going to sacrifice that to God. This is a little extra money. I'm going to give that to God. You know, this, this pumpkin's about to be dead and, you know, some kid threw it. I'm going to give that to God. You know what I'm saying? That's the tendency in sinful humanity. But God says, no, 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 you don't pick just every tenth one that comes under your staff. 10% of all that you produce, it goes to me. God sets it aside as holy. November, or Numbers 18. Numbers 18, you can look on the screen. Verse 21 says this. The context here is, is that the, uh, the Levites are called to die. Here is, uh, or the Levites are called to receive the tithe. Verse 21. To the Levites, I have given every tithe, that means 10%, in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service, that they do their service in the tent of meeting. So they, they, here they are facilitating worship in the tent of meeting, and they're doing that. That's their inheritance. The land isn't their inheritance. It's this tithe. Verse 22. So the people of Israel do not come near the tent of meeting, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall do the service of the tent meeting. They shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. And among the people of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. Verse 24, for the tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord. So get this, they're giving this to the Levites as an inheritance, but scripture is saying they're not giving it necessarily to Levites, they're giving it to who? They're giving it to the Lord. I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore, I have said of them that they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel. So this is the inheritance of those Levites. Now, we also see, uh, turn over to Malachi chapter 3. In this idea of tithing and this principle of tithing, that the Levites then would take the tithe that they received and they would grab 10% of it themselves and they would give that to the priests. Everyone say priests. And the priests were a part of the Levites of the Aaronic tribe, the Aaronic priesthood. Aaron, the brother of Moses who specifically facilitated the sacrifices and they gave a tenth of a tenth. Malachi 
chapter 3, verse 6, the prophet is rebuking the people who are withholding their tithe. They're giving God the little stuff or no stuff at all. And they're saying, God, we're not honoring you. This is the first isn't yours. We're not setting aside as holy. As a result, the Levites didn't have enough to continue with the worship and the serving in the tabernacle. We see this, uh, Malachi chapter uh, 3, verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you were robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. Here we have a difference, differential. It's not just tithes. There's, there's tithes and then there's contributions. Some of you uh, may see the word offerings in there. And we'll talk about that next week. Verse 9. You are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not... Open the window of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail or to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will you call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. We see here in Malachi a clear a clear word from the prophet to these Israelites who began to walk away from the principle of tithing. They, they weren't tithing, they weren't giving. And God is telling them, if you'll recognize that this is mine and this is from me and you'll honor me in this, you will be blessed. There is, a, there is something that, you, there, there's not just the blessing of God, but rebuking the devourer. I mean, this is something that, that these guys thought they would, they would have more if they held on to what they had versus obeying God who said, if you'll obey me, you won't even be able to contain what I can bring to you. We see that all of these are a part of the Mosaic law, but we see tithe is mentioned in Genesis fourteen twenty, where Abram, uh, Abram takes takes a large income and uh, receives from the spoils. And it says in Genesis fourteen twenty that Abraham gave him, speaking of the high priest Melchizedek, a tenth of everything he had or a tithe of everything he had. Hebrews chapter seven, verses one through 10, quotes and refers to this Genesis 14 moment when it's speaking of the context of paying tithes. We see Genesis 28, 20 through 22, Jacob's dream. After Jacob had his dream, he builds an altar to the Lord. He worships God. He makes a vow to give 10%, 10% of all that God gives him. We see Jesus mentioned tithing in Luke chapter eleven forty-two, when he's addressing the Pharisees who were so religious about it all and had such a wrong heart and a hypocrisy. They didn't have a problem tithing. As a matter of fact, they wanted everybody to know how wonderful they are. They wanted everyone to know how much money they had given. They wanted everyone to know how how religious they were. And Jesus is really rebuking them. But listen to what Jesus says in Luke eleven forty two. 42. But Woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe, you give 10% of your mint and rue and every herb. So literally, they're going to their flower garden, they're taking 10% of every little thing that they grow, 
every herb, and they reflect. And yet, he says, you neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Jesus doesn't say, stop doing the tithing, that doesn't matter. He says, don't, in your attempt to get things right, don't miss the weightier things that matter like love and justice. Jesus had a perfect opportunity to say, man, the tithe, that doesn't work. That principle's old school, man, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. But he doesn't here. He says, you can do the former, but don't forget the latter, the love and the justice. Don't think just because you do it, you're better than everyone or you're more spiritual. There are passages that, other passages in scripture that lift up the principle of giving and tithing, first fruits. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all the, your produce. Then you will, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. First fruits. First fruits are connected to tithes. If you look at Second Chronicles, verse 31, we see, uh, chapter 31, we see the church in Acts even goes above and beyond the tithe, giving freely, selling possessions to meet needs, giving all that they have. We see Paul addressing uh, people within the church and writing letters to people in the church. Hey, give honor to where honor is due. Speaking of their leaders, their pastors, their shepherds, those that are facilitating worship and the, the equipping of saints for the work of ministry. He's telling them, in the New Testament, hey, you need to give honor where honor is due. When honor is talked about by Paul in this moment, it isn't just respect, although it includes that, it also means financial care. Now, what does tithing accomplish? We see all these passages of scripture. What does tithing accomplish? Now, I want to talk about that for a moment, but I'm going to, if it's okay with you, I'm going to personalize this to me, all right? And I'm going to, I'm going to answer these questions and what does tithing accomplish in me? Okay, what does tithing, Kayla and I have been walking through the principle of tithing for years. Ever since we've been married, we've been operating within this principle. And we just could tell you story after story of God's faithfulness and all that he's done. But I want to just pick three things that God's done in me through operating in this principle. And I want to share it with you today. Number one, what does God, what does tithing accomplish in me? Number one, tithing reminds me I'm God's manager. Number one. Everyone say manager. Tithing reminds me that I'm God's manager. It's Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. One of my favorite books on this subject is The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. He says this, tithing is not giving, it's returning. It's not even giving. It's not even giving of what's yours. It's just returning back to God what is already his. Everything I... I have is his. All my stuff is his. And tithing reminds me that I'm a manager or I'm a steward of all that's his. That all my stuff is his. All my bank account is his. All my retirement is his. All my cash that Kayla lets me have, $5 a week, that's, her, that's his. And, and you know what it is when you get a little extra or something comes your way. You get a, a bonus or a birthday something or whatever. And you get some extra cash and you sit down at your table with your legal pad and you start going through it, right? And you go, you start listing everything you need. You're like, well, I want a Jeep. Uh, so I only need 20 grand more for that. Um, 
I want, um, oh, uh, we, we need to get the door fixed. I, I need to do, she's always wanted, um, you know, that thing, the dishwasher fixed. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, we need to do that. Um, so then there's also, oh yeah, the kids, the kids need some, some activity things. We've got to put that down. Okay, we need to do that. And, and then, so we're making a list, right? They're making a list of everything. There's something about that list. Whenever I put my number at the top and the first thing I do is subtract 10% automatically. I'm telling you, this has happened so many times. Automatically, I'm reminded it's all his. There's something about sitting down and the very first thing going, God, I'm, uh, of this extra $200 I have, this $20, it's yours and I'm going to return it back to you, but it also reminds me everything on here. And this came because of him. And all that I have is his. I'm a manager or simply a steward of what he's given me. And that is it. Tithing, what it does in me, it, it reminds me of who I am and who he is. See, it's, it's, it's this idea of a, if you had a financial manager managing your stuff, what if they did whatever they wanted to? You know, they're like, yeah, you give them all this money to manage for you so you're set up for retirement. And they're like, yeah, but man, I wanted a boat. I mean, I know you need to retire, but man, I need some time with my family. I'm gonna get a boat. I, I, I know that you've given me this to manage, but man, I felt like you'd be all right with my boat because you want me happy, right? I mean, sometimes we, we kind of, we get this idea that it's ours, but everything we have is borrowed. Say borrowed. It's God's, which means we hold it loosely. Tithing reminds me that I'm God's manager. Second thing tithing does uh, in me, it, tithing builds my faith in God. That tithing, giving the first fruits, uh, first 10% gleaned from the field, it reminds me uh, and it stretches me at times because there's times that there's the need and the list is long and the amount that you have is small. And you look at the need or the things you want or the things that you need and you look at w- what, what you have and you go, how is this gonna match up? And if I give God back some of this, this tithe, how is all of this gonna work out? And there's something about it when you take that step It's a step of faith. It's a step of trusting God. And this is exactly what the Israelites feel because when they were growing their stuff, the the, the principle of the tithes wasn't, and there was multiple tithes as you study scripture. There was the tithe of the land, the tithe of the animals. There was a tithe to the poor every three years. You'd come give 10% of you have to the poor. So really when you add it all up, it was more than just 10% they were giving in various tithes. But literally, literally, you, you, you would look at this and go, I'm going to give the first and the first of the crop to God and the rest of the crop is still growing and I'm trusting that when I give this to God, the rest of it is still gonna receive the rain and the sunshine and the things it needs to provide for me, but I don't have it yet. And the tendency is to go, I'm going to keep this because I don't know if that's gonna go through. But this idea of first fruits or giving God first, his and acknowledging him says, God, I'm I'm going to have faith and trust you that I'm going to give you the first of what I have, believing that you're going to take care of me with the rest. That the rest is going to come in. This was a significant act of faith for those Hebrews in the time. And it's still a significant act of faith for you and I today. 
There's stories and stories, and I've shared with you some of mine, but I want you to hear someone else's story. Gabriel and Lizzie have an amazing story of how God built their faith, and I want you to check out this video testimony. I could honestly say that money was my God from a very young age. That didn't mean I had it, it just mean I was in constant pursuit of it. I had opened up my own business, kind of chasing the American dream, money, freedom, time, but it wasn't giving me any of those things. Um, I was never home. I'd leave the house before my kids were up. I'd come home. A lot of the times my kids were in bed and I didn't realize, I thought everything was fine other than our finances, of course, but I didn't realize we were disconnected as husband and wife. And it seemed like my business would grow every year, but no matter how much it grew every year, I wasn't able to bring home any more than when I first started the business. We got to a place with our business where it just wasn't providing anymore. We found ourselves in foreclosure. I finally came to the realization that I just, I I was trying to do this on my own. Well, um, you know, for me, while all this is going on, um, I'm trying to be the good wife, I'm trying to be the good mom, and just nothing is going my way. I, I really just just turned to the Lord. I, I was, you know, I, I started picking up my Bible, I started reading, I started finding out uh, what this book said. And I started to um, just really talk to him and ask him, for everything that I needed, everything. Like I would, I started putting my husband in his hands and I started trusting him for our, um, you know, for our house payment. We were losing our home. Um, We would have people calling us because we owed everyone. And, um, And I just, I just started just being like a kid, just asking my father um, to help me and he started to show up, and it all started with um, giving. Well, but you know, she started trusting him before I did. At the same time, I was trying—I was tired of borrowing money from my parents, from her parents, and and I just—I just decided I was going to trust the Lord with our finances, you know. And and, uh, and and so, I mean, there was times in that I, you know, I, I knew we, I needed to tithe, but it's like we needed the money. And so it was kind of hard to let go of money that you needed, but then you really want to trust. But we did. We just started trusting him with I mean, anything. We came into the house, we gave our, our, our tithe, and and it's just amazing how I mean God provides. I mean, just my phone started ringing. There was more business, more doors were opening, and like um, he had given me peace. You know, like I didn't worry anymore about where the next job was coming from or you know if I didn't work for a day or two I just knew that maybe he wanted me to rest <laughs> you know I mean I just knew that he was going to provide and sure enough I mean there was never a lack you know I remember just like Lord I, I need your help I need you to just get me out of this situation I, I really felt like that was one of the very first things is hey you're going to trust me then you know, give, and I'm like, you know, to my bank account. You know, uh, I mean, sometimes we're struggling with 
um, keeping it and the positives, you know. Um, so, but we did, you know. I was I was really that desperate that I was done doing things the way we had always done them, and I was gonna follow what God's word said, and we started to give. And He is so faithful, like He has provided for us. He started increasing us. Um, I started to uh, see how much he really cared for me and how much he loved me. And I started to see a transformation in my husband. I started to see everything's going to be okay. And he, you can never outgive the Lord. You know, you just can't. So I, I, that's a, that's a challenge, you know, is, is he says, test me in this. And, and we did, and he's just, you know, still going. What a great story of faith that when you begin to step out, man, it begins to build your faith. It's been true of me for sure, and I know it's been true of the Tavares. Third thing, what does tithing accomplish in me? It allows me, this is the third and last thing, it allows me to participate in God's kingdom in advancing God's kingdom. It allows me to be a part of it. I believe wholeheartedly we are better together. Man, that God is what God's doing through Mid-Cities or the local church. Maybe you're visiting and you're part of a local church somewhere else. God's doing some amazing things there, I believe. Here at Mid-Cities, did you know, over the last year, we've given over $1.2 million to outreaches, ministries, church planning efforts, local ministries last year alone. We gave over 190000 on top of that towards a church plant to fund a brand new church in San Antonio, Texas. We sponsored over 300 poverty-stricken children in, in third world countries through Compassion International, built a Habitat Home for Humanity, Habitat for Humanity Home. We've helped church members in financial need. We've seen people respond to Christ on Sunday mornings and throughout groups and in malls and in various moments. We've seen, we've seen uh, just even last uh, two weeks ago, we saw a, a number of people get baptized. This year we've seen baptisms, marriages saved and healed and people that are broken began to find their way with God. It's amazing. You supported a staff who is equipping our kids and our youth and are reaching our campus and preparing adults for mission trips and preaching and connecting people to Jesus. The tithe throughout scripture went to those who were facilitating worship in the house of God. It went to the house of God. And I, when I give, I get to be a part of that. I get to be a part of that. The average American across America gives right at or a little under 2% of their income away, whether it's United Way or something at work or whatever, the average Christian gives between 3 and 4% total. So the average Christian gives more than the average American, but it's still 3 to 4%, just a few percentages higher. If every household in mid-cities, we did the math, if every household in mid-cities began to tithe, operating this principle, we would generate the amount of our balance on the building this year alone conservatively. Imagine how we could plant churches, the ministry we could do, what all God could do, the people we could reach, and how we could grow and uh, help them grow and send them to do the same if we really operated within this principle. Many have asked me 
lots of questions, and I, I don't have time to answer all of them, but I just want to answer one. They've asked me about tithing to other missionaries and ministries and churches and TV ministries and other things, and uh, that's where they give their tithe, their 10%. And I respond to them in this way. Biblically, I think it's absolutely awesome to give to those things. If they're accomplishing the ministry of Jesus, if they're moving things forward, advancing his kingdom, I think not only it's great to give, I think we should give, and Kayla and I give to those things, but I would also tell them it's not a tithe. It's not a tithe. Tithe is 10% of your gross income to the house of the Lord and the place of worship, supporting your local church and ministers who are serving you and equipping you for the work of ministry. And let me just say, beyond that, the primary issue here, and the reason I'm, I'm very straightforward on this, the issue for me, and I think probably the issue for most of us, is control. Everyone say control. Control. When sin came, Genesis 3 and marred our God-given image and likeness like Christ, there was a lie that was spoken. And here's the lie, that we were in charge. That we're in charge. This is a hard message to hear as independent Texans. Because we like to be in charge. And if we're gonna give, then we wanna say where our money goes. If we're going to do it, we'll do it, but we're going to do it my way. And I think the principle of the tithe, as it's laid out in Scripture, as a matter of fact, following Jesus in general is simply about relinquishing control in every area of our life. Think about it. He wants us to relinquish control of our thoughts to him. He says, make every thought captive, submitted to Christ. He wants our mouths under his control. Put a bridle on your tongue, James. Speak life, not death. He wants us to relinquish control of our sexual needs and desires to him. Just because it moves doesn't mean it's for you. Submit it to him, relinquish control. Our practical needs, Matthew chapter six, he talks about the birds of the air and the, and the clothes that are on, the lilies and all of these things and how much God cares for this. Isn't he gonna care for you? Your practical needs, trust me in this. Relinquish control. In the area of finances and money, we're to relinquish control as well. It's primary about who's going to control this area of your life. I think that's what the tithe is about. We're going to talk about other forms of giving. I think it's, it's the base. I think it's where you begin to start giving is, is the tithe to the local church. But I think it's so, one of the most powerful things about this principle is it's, you don't control it. Don't try to pull some of the sinful nature in with. The beauty of the true tithe is it's, it's not ours control and there's freedom in that. However, you don't get a building named after you for returning to God what's rightfully his. You know what I'm saying? But operating in this principle, I believe is one step closer to being like him. The one who freely gifts generously. And many of you have operated in this principle for a long time. and You could stand up here and testify, man, this has been amazing for us. Here's what God's done. Some of you are in your walk with God where this is an area he's wanting to move you in. 
And here's what I would suggest to you is if you're not operating the principle of tithing, as we talked about last week, maybe you find yourself um, not tithing, but you're tipping God, giving him a little bit, not 10% to the local church. Maybe you're, maybe you're keeping all that he's given you. And you find yourself, man, I, I'm ready to do that. Here's what I would suggest to you. This big give, we're asking everyone to help us eliminate the debt on this building. But I would say, don't do that. I would say for you, Mark down here, I'm going to begin faithfully tithing this year. This is a principle I'm gonna begin to walk in. I would rather you do that than give towards this building because I believe it's a principle when you begin to walk in this principle, God's gonna begin to open up some things for you. I believe when you open up this principle and you'll say, okay, God, I'm trusting you in this area, man, you're gonna be amazed at what God does. This can be a part of your big gift. So if that's you today, I'm just asking you to pray about it. Here's what I've discovered. Here's what I've discovered. Um, I can't talk anyone into giving, nor do I want to. Because if I can talk them into giving, they can go home and anybody can talk them out of it. Here's my goal. Here's what God's word says. Here's what I believe the principle is. Now, why don't you pray about it? Seek the Lord and begin to operate in faith and let God move you to where he is. Amen? November 16th, we'll be receiving commitments. If that's your commitment and that's an area God's working on you, I'd encourage you to take that home, talk about it with your family. Father, would you help us trust you with our finances in every way? You're amazing, God. We bless you. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, amen.